Okay. Yeah. So, um, we we couldn't decide on an opening bit. I guess I will. I don't know if anybody even gives a shit about my Star Wars action figure collection. But uh, update. Uh, since last time I talked about how I had everyone except for Chewbacca. At least I think I talked about that on here. I know I I planned to, but I I don't remember if I actually did. Um, but I guess I I have a Chewbacca now. Uh, I I have completed the collection of the rebels in their uh, Jabba's palace incarnations. So I've got Luke in his black tunic. I've got Leia as Boosh and as metal bikini. I've got um, Lando in his disguise. I've got Han Solo in a block of carbonite. I've got 3PO and R2 who are just normal. Because I, I, I don't know if there's an R2 who's carrying the tray from the sail barge. But whatever, he was normal for most of that that scene yeah um and then i found a chewbacca who is specifically a return of the jedi chewbacca so he's got the uh like the collar and the chain uh from you know i've, I've got him he's he's standing next to boosh leia you know he, she's gonna turn him in for a bounty so i got my all all the all the classic rebels they're all here now um so also, I got an Admiral Akbar and an Ahsoka. Or, I guess, another Ahsoka. Because I already had Season 7 Ahsoka and Rebels and Mandalorian, which is the same as her own TV show, so I don't need to buy that one twice. But this yeah. one is, like, the Season 3 Padawan one, and now I just have to wait and see if they ever make a Season 1 Padawan one or not. Um, so... I like yep. her, her later designs more anyway. Mm. Yeah. Yep. So though that's that, that that that's the opening bit. We did it. Yay. Uh, good night everyone. <laughs> Just stop the recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> super super short episode this week. We should do that one <laughs> one time. Mm. It's like, hey, are you up for this? Nah. All right. Can <laughs> can you record for three minutes? Like, yeah. Mm. <laughs> like, we just talk about like one episode of some random show. We'll talk about mm. episode one of Twisted Peaks. Mm. Wait, I I did I say that wrong? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean. I... Yeah, you said Twisted Peaks, and I'm like, I don't think that's the name of the show, but no. I don't remember it. Something Peaks, so, yeah. It's not Twin Crimson Peaks. Pe Twin Peaks, yeah. I've seen things I, talking about Twin Peaks, but I've never actually seen Twin Peaks. Yeah, me neither. Which makes it more funny that I got the name wrong. Hmm. I think it's kind of like that Alan Wake game. Oh, a Wake. Hmm. I I like just looking up character names and uh. Like realizing what the pun is. Mm. Like I, I think the other main character from Alan Wake Two, like her last name is Saga. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the fictional show I just made up, Twisted Peaks. Okay. Is, is it supposed to be related at all to Twin Peaks, or are we diverging completely? Um, the first season is a. Twin Peaks spinoff in the second season is <laughs> it's a spinoff of the soap opera Dallas. 
Mm. Every every season is a, <laughs> a spinoff, <laughs> like an old soap opera. Okay. So what are the peaks and why are they twisted? Um, it, it's it's a dirty reference to um, um, uh, what is it from Dust Till Dawn and the the bar called the twenty the Teddy Twister. Mm. All right. <laughs> I love I'm this also joke that's going nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm I am also distracting myself because uh I decided I'm going to build a planeswalker's deck of magic. Um so I bought there was a precon they did that I I already I have the precon. Uh but I like it as it is. So I didn't want to take it apart, but then I found that it's um, much cheaper. It's like thirty dollars off what it used to be, because it wasn't that popular, I guess. So I bought another one, and it just arrived. And I'm setting aside cards from other piles that I have uh, to try to, you know, swap into it and make it into a five-color deck instead of a three-color deck. I don't have any piles. That makes me sad. Mm. You haven't spent absurd amounts of money on pieces of paper. No, just pieces of plastic. Mm. I mean, really not absurd amounts either. It's like a few hundred. I bought a couple Nendoroids like six years ago. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. And then I, I, re I realized I didn't like having too many things. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, I I like having things. I just wish I had more space to keep them. Sell your things to buy more space to have more space for the things you don't you no longer have. Mm. Yep, just oh Henry all the way down. <laughs> it's like the gift, but or what? Um, I forget what that. Like this is, I'm very tired. And yeah, I, no, it, 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 it's like anything. that time when Bert and Ernie bought gifts for each other, and <laughs> yes. uh, Ernie bought um, a box for Bert to keep his paper clips in by selling his rubber ducky, and uh, Bert bought a dish for Ernie to put his rubber ducky in by selling his paper clips. Yeah. And then Mr. Hooper was like, "Here, you, you idiots, have your things back." <laughs> Merry Christmas, dumbasses. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't believe in the ironic bad ending of the original version of that story. I mean, the bad ending of that story is that the best gift of all is love. Mm. So, you know, the, yeah, the real gift was the friends yeah. they made along the Yeah, way. The, the gift is love and also cutting your hair off to buy a, a whatever it was. It was, it was like there was a comb and there was hair and stuff. It's like a pocket watch, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sold her hair to buy a chain for his pocket watch. Sold the watch to buy a comb for her hair, and they realized, well, we we love each other, and also we just gave up the things we cared about the second most, aside from each other. And uh, right. yep. <laughs> Sometimes it's just how it be. The moral of the story is to to love your favorite thing more than your spouse. That way, mm. you can get a sweet uh, pocket watch chain. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> be the greedy one in the relationship and it pays off. Just get a gift card to Arby's. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I legitimately can't think of a gift I would like less than a gift card to Arby's. Mm. Yeah, Have that would ever... be pretty much useless to me because I don't know where the nearest Arby's is. That would be useless to me because Arby's is terrible. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like they're terrible, and also like there might be one in Portland, but I don't, I don't know. I've never been to one. I've never wanted to be wanted to go. To I don't one. know. I've never been to Oregon. Mm. The better Portland, <laughs> mm. the more well-known one. Yeah. Unless you're in a Stephen King book. There's a. There's an SCP um, that's, what I think it's the Three Portlands, where it's like, there's, on, on the two Portlands on each coast, um, there's like a pathway to a third Portland that's like a, a magic city with um, like all kind of supernatural creatures living there. Hmm. It's, so, it's, so it's kind of like in The Simpsons, how Springfield is at the corner of four states that aren't connected. Right. I that's my favorite running joke, um, because you know eventually someone will break the joke and say they're from like Texas or something, and it won't make any sense, but they'll do it just to say it. Hmm. Because. The Simpsons will never die. Yeah. We're at the point where the show is old enough to where, like, cast members are going to start either leaving or dying. Uh, and then it's like, do, do we recast, you know, the whole Simpsons family? And then somebody will say yes, because money. Yeah, like, I never got into Simpsons at its peak, so by the time I watched it, it was already the stuff that people were saying um, it should have ended forever ago. And I, I was like, yeah, these these shows are, episodes are fine. And I've gone back and watched the older shows, and also, you know, like, watching the whole thing, I got up to, like, the mid-2000s, and then I could see where the quality was dropping. But I realized, I think, for some reason I was thinking about it this past week, and I realized... Um, I kind of feel the same way about Spongebob, where, like, I'm pretty sure Spongebob is still going on, and the new episodes yeah. are probably fine, but I feel like it should have ended a long time ago, because it already did all the, all the good stuff already, so I can't imagine what they're doing now that is worth continuing for. Fairly Odd Parents is a better comparison, I think. Is that one still um, going? I thought that one ended. It ended like three or four, three five years ago, mm. um, but apparently, I I I didn't actually see it. But apparently, near the end, it was like just terrible, mm. <laughs> like no redeeming qualities. Awful. Mm. Um, and of course, yeah. I'm not gonna watch it. But that's the that's what I've heard. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, with Spongebob, I just realized it's like, oh, the show has been going since, what, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, and as far as I know, it was still... Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, the reason I started thinking about it, I saw someone with a license plate 
that I, I, I can't remember. It was like Camp K or something. I don't know. It made me think about Camp Coral, which is like a prequel show that they're doing on Paramount Plus for Spongebob. And then I was thinking, oh yeah, that, that show has been going for like 20 years now. And is probably still going. And why? Okay, like I, I don't know. People just talking very loud. Oh, okay. Because like I'm not, I'm not at home right now. Oh. Um. But <laughs> I that might be part of the reason why I'm so fucking tired. Um. Anyway. Mm. Uh, okay. So you're on like a laptop now or something. Well, yeah, it's it's the same laptop I I record on usually. Okay. Um, just not connected to a TV right now. Okay. Um. Uh, uh, what were you talking about? Uh, S- SpongeBob, but it doesn't matter. Um. <laughs> yeah. SpongeBob was, matters. Well, it it does. It it did. It's just it's still going, and I don't know. I, I mean, I guess the popularity is there. Might as well keep it going. Um, I was just checking to see what I had for other topics to cover before we get to the Disney stuff. Um, okay, let's see. Um, I saw, what's the name, full title of this movie, it's like Weird, the Al Yankovic story, or something? Oh, yeah. Um, it's, uh, oh, what's, what's his name, uh, Harry Potter. Um. Radcliffe. Yeah, yeah. Dan- it's Daniel Radcliffe playing um, Weird Al Yankovic, and it is kind of uh, kind of similar to like Walk Hard. It's like a mock um, biopic of a musical person, um, and I think yeah, it might be unfair to compare it to. Um, to walk hard because like where walk hard is a really funny version of that this is just uh, kind of a mildly funny version of it um i don't know like i i was watching it expecting it to be funnier than it was like i i could see what it was doing it just something about like the way it's presented just wasn't quite as ludicrous or you know silly or funny as as i was hoping so it ended up just being okay. Yeah, it it seems less like an in-your-face comedy and more like it's just kind of taking the piss. Yeah, yeah, pretty of, much. Uh, like the musical biopic style. Yeah, yeah, like it's doing all the beats of one of those, and obviously it's all fake. It's like, you know, uh, Weird Al hooks up with Madonna at one point and like he he writes the song beat or the song eat it not in re- in you know the song beat it comes up from Michael Jackson in response to eat it and then he's furious cuz he had <laughs> like created eat it to be his own like he he didn't want people <laughs> making fun of him or thinking all he can do is parody so he made this original song that Michael Jackson ripped off but the Michael Jackson version got so popular that everyone thought he ripped it off. Um, That's pretty funny. Yeah. 
I mean, like, like there's there's moments that are funny and there's ideas that are funny, but the presentation, you know, it has that kind of like fake seriousness because they are you know making fun of the biopic style, um, but it just it it didn't go far enough for me. Like like he has like you know an abusive dad who hates um, accordions and like smashes his accordion. Um, where in like Walk Hard, there is like the dad who's furious that you know him, him and his brother have like a machete fight, and he accidentally cuts him in half, and then his like <laughs> yeah. stump of a body is on the ground. Like I'm cutting half real bad. You gotta get help. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> like the the Weird Al movie doesn't push into that like full surreal stupid comedy level. It's just right. like yes, I can tell. Yeah, this dad who's like beating up an accordion salesman because he dared to bring an accordion into the house. Like, yes, that is ridiculous, but it's not so ridiculous that it doesn't still feel abusive. Um, so. Oh, yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah. So, I don't know. It was... It, it didn't quite go far enough. I thought, like, it was okay, but I ended up watching Walk Hard again this week, and it's still, you know, just a gem of a movie. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, okay, so I watched that, um, Marvel's What If Season 2 wrapped up, like, a week and a half ago, it's pretty good, uh, yeah, 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 they they did a whole Season 2, um, I think it's better than Season 1, I think, like, most of the episodes, um, are pretty good, I don't think there was, like, none of them were really, like, a major dud, um, you know, there's just, like, some of them that didn't feel as much of, like, uh, you know, a what-if scenario as, um, you know, I can't remember all of them. Like, the first one I thought felt kind of weak, because it's like, what if um, Ronan had turned on Thanos before, you know, pretty much, like, before the events of Guardians 1, Ronan kills Thanos, and Nebula ends up joining the Nova Corps on Xandar, which leads to kind of like a Blade Runner techno-crime-noir thing of, like, the planet Xandar's on lockdown, trying to keep Ronan from attacking, but then there's a conspiracy to open the planet shield and let Ronan and, and his army in. Um, I don't know, it, it didn't... It, it, some of them, they, they drift so far from the idea of, like, what if a thing had gone a little differently that it's, like, you're just telling a, you know, a, a completely different story at this point. Um, yeah. But then, uh, what was... Uh, I, I should... I, I'm gonna look up a list of what all the episodes were, because I guess I could talk about... Like, the, there's material here to talk about. Um, so, I know you haven't seen them, though, so I guess I will... Describe the plots, and you can say if they sound interesting or not. Yeah, um, I mean, a, a lot of the first season was just, what if this character was this hero instead of this other character? Yeah, yeah, and like, see, season two, I think it was better, uh, although I have heard a pretty you know strong criticism that um, most of the the what-if scenarios and the characters in this are from movies that are, like, more, like, pre-Endgame. Like, they've done so much stuff since Endgame, and they didn't really... Well, actually, I guess, no, that's not true. Because there is, um, like, some Shang-Chi references in this. 
So, I don't know. Um, okay, so, yeah, the, so the first episode is that um, Ronan kills Thanos, Nebula joins the Nova Corps on Xandar, and it leads to, like, a crime noir thing. Um, it has, it has, like, some fun moments. Um, let's see, okay, the second episode is, um, what if Peter Quill had been taken to Ego, and he, you know, has his, like, cosmic powers unlocked, and he comes back to attack Earth, and it leads to, like, the 1980s version of the Avengers having to assemble. There's, um, like, Peggy Carter, Howard Stark, um, Bill Foster, who was Giant Man in, um, Ant-Man 2. Yeah, oh. Like, him and Hank Pym, who is, you know, still Ant-Man at that point. Yeah, like, Hank Pym is there, um, his wife, you know, d had already disappeared in the Quantum Realm, but Hope is around, and she's a kid, and she ends up connecting to Peter, because they're both kids in the 80s. Um, T'Chaka is the Black Panther... Um, Winter Soldier is, you know, still, like, they, the, the Russians sent, you know, release him from the ice and send him to help deal with this threat to the Earth. Um, and that kind of leads to, like, an earlier version of, um, uh, Winter Soldier having to have, like, a emotional growth, you know, as he's, like, debating whether to assassinate this child or not. Um, the answer is always yes. And then there's, uh, let's see, Dr. Wendy Lawson, who was, I think she was secretly a Kree, if I remember right, from, uh, Captain Marvel. She was, like, the scientist mentor lady from the yeah. 90s, so, yeah, she's got, like, you know, Kree powers. Um, so they all have to team up to stop Peter, but then it turns out Peter's just a, a sad kid because his mother died, and then the whole reveal of, like, Ego didn't actually care about his mother happens, and so then he turns on Ego, and, uh, yeah, like, that, that one I thought was a cool, you know, like, actually, like, deviating, like, what if Peter had been taken to Ego? How would that have played out? And then you get this 1980s Avengers scenario, where they're, like, pulling at all these characters who they've established exist, but who didn't meet in the regular timeline. Yeah, that one uh, sounds kind of cool. See, the third one is a silly one. It's uh, titled "What If Happy Hogan Saved Christmas," and it's um, <laughs> it's basically Die Hard, where there like there's a Christmas party happening around the time of like Avengers Two, so Stark Tower still exists. The Avengers are all at like Stark Tower. The Avengers all are going off doing their own things to get ready for this Christmas party, and the tower gets taken over by uh, Justin Hammer. And his, uh, like, mafia guys who want to steal Stark tech. Um, and so Happy Hogan has to do a diehard and ends up, um, getting, like, injected with, um, Hulk blood. And he becomes a purple version of the Hulk. So, yeah, so that, that was, like, a silly episode, but it was, it was fun. And it released, like, right before Christmas. Um, I think it was Christmas Eve that one came out. Um, yeah, yeah, let's see. The fourth episode was the one that... So, in at, at the end of season one, there was a version of Gamora who showed up. And there was an episode about what 
you know, her story was and how she ended up becoming, uh, like a warlord or something. Um, but that episode wasn't finished in time for when the, the season came out. So they pushed it off to this season, and that's what this episode is. It's one where um, Tony Stark, after um, blowing up the Chitauri ship in Avengers, instead of falling back to Earth, falls through like a wormhole to uh, the Grandmaster's planet from Thor Ragnarok, and ends up having to do like a death race thing, and... Um, Gamora is there and blames um, Tony for. Well, let's see. Okay. Oh no, Than Thanos sent Gamora to kill Tony for stopping the Chitauri, um, but then he ends up like convincing her to fight back against Thanos or something. Um, most most of the fun in that episode is that there's just a lot of like Grandmaster stuff. With, let's see, yeah, it is Jeff Goldblum in that episode, so just a lot of more Grandmaster material, and the other character, you know, Korg is there, Topaz is there, Valkyrie's there. Nice. So it's, um, it's just Thor Ragnarok, except with the <laughs> Tony Stark instead of Thor. Yep, and instead of and a like, gladiator match, it's like a, you know, space chariot race. Yeah. These do sound pretty good. Uh, At least better than the zombies one in the first season. Yeah. Yeah, the fifth episode is a follow-up on Captain... Like, the Captain Carter episode from season one was, like, uh, Captain America First Avenger, except Peggy is the superpower one. And um, Steve ends up becoming Hydra Stomper, the, like, Iron Man thing. Um, this one is, like, the Winter Soldier story for Peggy Carter, and the Winter Soldier is, um, Steve, because he's the Hydra Stomper, and he was, you know, discovered and brainwashed, and so it leads to her, and she ends up, like, go facing off against, um, the other, like, Black Widows from the Red Room, um, also, the the voice actress for Black Widow in this, it's the same one who does uh, Poison Ivy in the Harley Quinn show, and she, like, she does a better Scarlett Johansson than Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> that's, that's honestly awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think she played the part in like some episodes from season one as well, and yeah, she's just really good at it. Um... So, so yeah, uh, okay, and then, uh, episode six is a weird one, because it's, the title is, What If Kahori Reshaped the World? And the premise is that, um, Surtur destroys Asgard during Ragnarok, and the Tesseract crash lands in pre-colonial America, where it's discovered by a Native American woman, and, um, or actually, well, it, it, like, it crash lands there, and it ends up creating, like, a pocket dimension or something, and a bunch of Native Americans go into it and create, like, a paradise in there. And then Kohori goes in there and, like, ends up getting powers, and but then she has to go back and save her village because there's Spanish conquistadors who are 
attacking because they think the pool that was created by the Tesseract is the Fountain of Youth or something. It's, it, it's one that, like, it, it doesn't feel like it's a what-if anymore. It's just, hey, here's a completely different thing. Yeah. You know, the, you're not deviate. You're deviating so far from what happened that it might as well just be an original story. This is not the Marvel Universe. Yeah. yeah or at least not the MCU one. Um, right. Okay, episode 7 was my favorite, I think. Uh, it, let's see, title is What If Hela Found the Ten Rings? And it's kind of Hela doing Thor 1, but it's um, because, you know, her time was hundreds of years before Thor's. When she gets sent to Earth, um, you know, instead of being imprisoned, uh, Odin, like, puts the you-must-be-worthy curse on her helmet um, and says that like, you have to know mercy or else you can't, you know, pick up this helmet. Um, sends that to Earth, sends her to Earth, and she ends up meeting Wenwu from... Um, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, except, you know, early Wenwu, and they team up, and it's pretty cool. It's like, it's, it's like the plot of Thor 1, but there's a, a lot of stuff with, um, you know, like, like the Shang-Chi settings and characters and things, and then it ultimately leads up to, like, Odin and the Asgardians come to conquer Earth, and she stands up against him, and like, with the help of Wenwu and the Earth People, defeats Odin, and then, um, goes off to be, like, a multiversal, or not multiversal, but, like, savior of planets, you know, defeater of tyrants. Um. With with her stabby helmet. Yeah, yeah, she gets the stabby helmet back, but also she's learned to care about people, and not just destroy for the sake of destroying I guess. Makes sense. I think she's more fun as a stabby woman. Yeah, I mean, she, she becomes like an anti-hero. I guess, kind of. And it is Kate Blanchett reprising the role for it. Nice. Um, let's see. Episode 8, What If the Avengers Assembled in 1602? It is kind of just like a fun... You know, it, it, it's not really, like, um, a what-if deviation from a thing that happened. But it, it, unlike the Kahori one, it is using characters we're familiar with. It's just, it's a universe where, um, I guess I'll just read this summary. Um, After arriving in a Renaissance-themed universe, Captain Carter agrees to help Wanda Merlin and Sir Nicholas Fury stop an impending incursion. She saves Prince Loki from being pulled into a tear, but fails to save Queen Hela and is hunted by Sir Harold the Happy Hogan under the new King Thor's orders. Carter learns the incursion is occurring due to the presence of the Forerunner, another time-displaced individual, and locates Tony Stark, who can make a device to identify the Forerunner using the Time Stone in Thor's scepter. He points her towards outlaws Steve Rogers, Bucky Barnes, and Scott Lang, who are all basically, like, Robin Hood. It's like Robin Hood and his merry men are Steve Rogers, Bucky Barnes, and Scott. Um, to help steal okay. it. Carter finds the group, but they are ambushed by Hogan. Carter gives herself up before freeing herself and a mask to Bruce Banner. They And Bruce Banner is, like, locked in a dungeon because he's trying to keep his Hulk thing 
controlled, but then, you know, they're making too much noise and the, the monster gets out. Um, let's see. They meet with Stark and join Roger's group in infiltrating Thor's court with Wanda's help. The group retrieves the time stone for Stark's device, which identifies Rogers as the forerunner who had inadvertently created a temporal anomaly while battling Thanos. Carter bids farewell to Rogers and returns him to his universe, preventing the incursion, and then is met by a strange supreme because there's... Like, from, like, the mid-season, they have, like, these end-of-episode stingers, like, there's some kind of crossover thing happening with, uh, that evil Doctor Strange from season one. Um, Again? Yeah, which, the finale, I didn't really like, the finale is a lot of fan service. Um, I, I guess I will read the summary on this one, too, because it is, it gets weird. Um... Strange Supreme takes Captain Carter to his Sanctum Infinitum, which he reveals uh, that he ha- uh, where he reveals he has been capturing universe killers to atone for his sins, and asks for her help in capturing an escaped variant who fled to a universe where Hydra used the Tesseract to destroy the world. Carter agrees and encounters Kahori, who reveals that Strange has been capturing variants to feed to the Forge, a contraption he built to resurrect his lost universe. As Strange attempts to kill Kahori, Carter frees his captives, allowing her and Kahori to escape. Amidst the chaos, the pair encounter Black Panther Killmonger, who Kahori separates from his armor, allowing Carter to use it. While the pair battle Strange at the forge, the variants lend their weapons to Carter while Kahori sends them home. Um, as in, every like memorable weapon um, from all the movies they all just get like thrown at this captain carter who's wearing like black panther armor and she's just got the the hammer she's got the shield she's got the infinity stones it is like the most fan service thing um let's see Da-da. strange is taken over by his demonic self though carter separates them as the forge collapses also the forge is it's just it's, it's like this giant pit He's just throwing all of these famous characters into, uh, while Kahori is using her magic to pull them back up, you know, so that they don't fall in the giant death pit. Um, let's see, is, uh, as the forge collapses, Strange sacrifices himself and his counterpart to it. The Watcher returns Kahori home and brings Carter to Strange's restored universe, revealing he succeeded in resurrecting Christine Palmer, though he can never be reborn into it. Oh no, they're, they're tragic love. Carter asks the Watcher to show her the multiverse before taking her home. So. I can show you the world. Yep. Season 3 is already confirmed. So they showed a trailer for it. I guess since it's animation, they gotta do it pretty well in advance, so. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun... I I didn't see the second season yet, but it's a fun show. Hmm. At least it should be. (laughs) I, I mean... It's like do whatever you want, you know, just make it fun. Yeah, should be the the driving motivator. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that show wrapped up. Um, this new Percy Jackson show. I started watching like one episode, but I'm not really familiar with the source material, and it was just too much like teenage school drama stuff, and I wasn't interested. I don't know when it gets good, but I didn't stick with it. Yeah, I just saw the the movie from like fifteen years ago. Yeah. Um, let's see. We talked about that. Talked about Weird Al. 
Um, the other things, let's see, for, yeah, because we recorded like a couple days before Christmas last time. Yeah. Um, for Christmas, I got Pikmin 1 and 2. Um, I started playing Pikmin 2 again because I remembered that one being now the second best Pikmin because Pikmin 4 is better. And Pikmin 4 is so much better because even Pikmin 2, like Pikmin 2, it doesn't have the stress of a time limit, but the Pikmin are just so dumb. Like, I, you know, I, I throw one of them at one plant to go pick up, um, you know, like a one seed to bring back. I throw another one at another plant that's like right next to it. They both knock the seeds off, and then both of them go and grab one together and carry it together and leave the other one behind. Like, these Pikmin are they're just so fucking stupid. They're not doing what I want them to. I have to, like, escort a bunch of them along a walkway, and half of them fall in the water and die, and I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Like, that, was a, that was a thing in Pikmin 1 when I played, too. It's like there's, there's a spot with, like, a narrow bridge surrounded with water. And if you just walk normally across it, they'll just all fall and die. Yeah. Yeah, they're just the dumbest little lemmings, which I guess makes sense why they would need you to help them in, in that version, but it, it just it got annoying, so I kind of dropped it. I'll maybe get back to it eventually, but I've got a bunch of other games now, because, um, well, also for Christmas, I got uh, Paper Mario the Origami King, which it's pretty neat. Um, you know, I don't have as strong of an attachment to Paper Mario, so I don't mind when they do something weird, like, um, like with this game, where it's, um, it's like the world of Paper Mario is being attacked by the Origami King, he's like a little folded up origami guy with emo hair, and, um, he, um, wants to fold everyone into perfect origami, and he's, like, folded various, you know, characters into, like, origami versions that you have to fight, um, the combat system is weird. I, I don't really like it that much, but it's fine, I guess. Because the combat system is, like, you're standing in the center of, like, four concentric circles. And all of your enemies, you'll see them, like, lined up, and then they'll all spread out. And then you have, like, a certain number of moves that you can do, where you can, like, either slide a panel vertically across the circle or rotate one of the rings, and you have to get them all to either line up in a straight line, or be in, like, a box of four standing near the center. So that you can either jump on them with boots if they're in a straight line, or hit them with a hammer if there's four of them close to you. But, you know, it's like, you're, you're, just, you're doing this puzzle stuff, and if you get it right, then you get a bonus damage thing, but sometimes that's still not enough to kill them... If, if they get to attack you, they usually do a lot of damage. So it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of weird and annoying combat. But aside from that, the rest of it's fun. You're just, like, running around this 3D world um, of, like, paper craft stuff. And there's, like, a lot of toads who've been folded up into, like, butterflies and things. And you hit them with your hammer and then they turn back into their, their old selves. Paper Mario was always something that I feel like I'm supposed to like, but I've never actually played it. Mm. It's like, oh, I like Super Mario RPG, so... <laughs> but I never really felt 
an urge to play it. Yeah, I mean, Paper Mario, the first one for N64, I have started it three or four times and never gotten that far into it. Uh, it just doesn't hold my attention. Um, I don't think I've ever played Thousand Year Door. I might have started it once on, like, Wii U or something. Because I don't think I have it on GameCube. Um, but, you know, I know that's the one everyone loves. I haven't really played that one. Um, Super Paper Mario I played through. That one's more of a platformer. Um, and then I haven't played any of the other ones up until this one. Because they all had bad reviews. Even though they're probably fine. It's just people don't like that they're not whatever, like the turn-based combat that uh, the original was. Or that, like, the Thousand Year Door was. Um, but, yeah. So, like, I got that one. I was playing a bunch of it. And then, uh, ended up getting the Batman Arkham Trilogy for Switch. And that's what I've been playing for the last week. Is... Did you break some bones? Yeah. Lots, of, you know, I've, I've played through the whole main story of Asylum and City. And I've been doing a bunch of the side quests on City. And, um, some of, like, the, you know, Riddler challenge thing. Or, like, the challenge modes where you just beat up a bunch of guys for a high score. Or, uh, scare the piss out of a bunch of people for a high score. Um, I did download Arkham Knight. I, I'm not really that keen to play it again. Like, I don't, because I've heard it, it doesn't perform very well on Switch, and also, I've played through Asylum and City probably three or four times now, but I think I've only played Arkham Knight once, and I barely remember anything about it. I like Arkham Knight, it's just, <laughs> the, the hype going into it, it's just nowhere near. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, 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 it could never pull it off, right? Yeah. Um, and then it doesn't help that the Arkham Knight is just Jason Todd. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. There was the whole thing at the time it came out of, um, you know, it. It's not Jason Todd. Oh, it no, actually it is. It's just Jason Todd. And then, um, like, like the the car. Like I get, you know, yeah. The Batmobile is a major part of Batman's mythos, but it's not as much fun as flying around was in uh, like City. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Knight still had a lot of, like, grappling points, but it wasn't the main thing, so it wasn't as fun. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, I. You know, I remember that Scarecrow is the main villain, and obviously the Arkham Knight is there, and Joker is, like, haunting Batman because he can't go away even when he's completely dead. But I don't remember who any of the other villains were, or what any of the other boss fights were in the game. Deathstroke. Okay, I, I remember he was in Origins. I I, I don't remember him from uh, from Night at all. But he's, I guess that makes sense. He's like a side boss, um, I think, with the 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 Batmobile tank fighting. Okay. Um, and you don't get to fight him hand-to-hand, and everybody was like, what the fuck? <laughs> mm. Yeah, because I remember he was, like, the main, or, like, one of the big villains of 
Arkham Origins. Yeah. Yeah, like they they leave a lot of threads um, from the previous games on the table. Like, uh, uh, what's the the guy's name who becomes Batman? Um, Azrael. Yeah, no, because I think they 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 like the Azrael thing and the Hush thing come back, but they're like kind of disappointingly short. Like Azrael, yeah. if I remember, it comes back in Night, but it's just like oh, all of that ominous stuff he was saying actually he was just brainwashed by a cult and and it, it it wasn't nearly what he thought it was right it's like they they bring it up but nothing really happens yeah and like <laughs> so, hush like, went all the trouble to like give himself a bruce wayne face and then he does a little bit with it in a side quest in night and then you beat his ass and, and that's it yeah yeah there's a, there's a lot that's just kind of lame about it um yeah it's like they, they set all the stuff up and then the they just make like the main villain scarecrow again and jason todd yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and then there's just like the weird ending like oh bruce wayne he, his identity's revealed and then he steps into his house and then it blows up and then oh there's maybe another batman is it the same batman i don't know we're never going to visit it again, so... Whatever. And apparently the Suicide Squad game is... Um, like, canonically a part of the Arkham universe. Okay, so, so that's the continuation? Because I know they like put yeah. out Gotham Knights where the premise was... Oh, Batman's missing, you have to play as everyone else. Which seems right. like it would be a natural follow-up to the way Arkham Knight ended. But no, it's right, not connected you, at all. Yeah, that that game is not connected, but Suicide Squad, the one where you get to kill the entire Justice League, is. Yeah. So it's like, hey, enjoy yeah, that. The, yeah, the last performance of Kevin Conroy as Batman, where you maybe kill him as the Suicide Squad. Yeah. I don't know. I, it, I assume it's, like it's a, probably going to be you don't kill most of the the Justice League. That's just the the title. Yeah, but it, it's there's no there's no winning that because either either you kill them and you basically ruin like the best DC game franchise there is, hmm. um, or they don't kill them and the game has no balls. So. Yeah. There's no winning. Yeah. Unless you just make it separate, which would have been the smarter thing to do. Yeah. That game, it feels like it's been in development for so long that I don't know if it's going to be any good when it finally comes. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just going to be another disappointing uh, live service, uh, like, fake RPG yeah. um, thing. That nobody cares about. Yeah. Uh, let's see. That looks like that covers everything I had, minus the Disney movies that we watched. Hey, Jade. Hmm? Have you ever seen Avatar The Last Airbender? Um, like ten years ago. Do you like it? Yeah. 
I like it too. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know how much there is to say. You know, I have all of Last Airbender and Korra on DVD. I teased you into watching the Shyamalan movie, which I think I've seen once. And mostly, it's just yeah. you know, yeah, it's a mediocre movie, and um, it's it's not mediocre. It's uh, terrible. It's just legit bad. <laughs> I don't yeah. remember. I remember it just being a nothing burger of a movie. Which I guess compared yeah, to the source material makes it horrible. It it's like it's a it's a terrible adaptation and it's an even worse movie on its own. Mm. Um, like it's okay. So if if you've seen the show, you hate you hate it because it's just an absolute worst version of everything in the show. In the first season. Um, and if you haven't seen the show, you're completely lost because the entire movie is just people saying things uh, uh, that either you have no context for or they have to over-explain the context, which is just entirely... It, it's It's just dull, like very dull... Yeah, expository dialogue. Yeah, cramming a whole season of television into a movie, and also all the performances are just so flat. Yeah, like weird, weirdly, like the the actor for Aang wasn't bad or Ong. Mm. Um, like he wasn't bad, but it's like <laughs> there's there's no joy in the movie. He had no. No opportunities to, you know, like actually be a fun egg. Mm. Uh, and like, th- there's there's a few attempts at humor to, you know, bring it in line with the the show, which, like, yeah, that there's a lot of, uh, like actual, you know, grown up themes later in the show, but like, it's still a kid show. It's still supposed to be fun. Most of the time, mm. um, and every every time they attempt to replicate that in the movie, it just falls flat because the the actors probably don't want to be there, mm. <laughs> and their direction is terrible. Um, it looks nice sometimes, like the the environments and the backgrounds, uh, the bending effects are terrible though. Um, Appa is just fucking terrifying. Um, mm. Go look up Appa from the movie on YouTube. <laughs> like it, it's it's bad. Um, yeah, and there, there's a lot of weird decisions. Like, so in in the show, the Fire Nation is based on like Imperial Japan, right? Um, and in the movie, for some reason, that they make it based on India, like, for reasons I can't really grasp. Mm. Um, like, I, I just don't know why, and I don't care enough to look it up, but it's just something that, you know, was in the back of my head the whole time. Like, why make this change? Yeah, I don't know like, if it's something with Shyamalan personally. Like I don't know what it, his nationality 
heritage is, but it might be. But also, it's it's like yeah, I'm gonna make the villain <laughs> make the villains uh, look like me. You know, uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. Mm. Um, also, yeah, there's the famous dick hair. We don't like everybody knows. Mm. Like there, there's the the first actually yeah the first scene in the the northern water uh, city where like they're it's an establishing shot where they they're like zooming in um, the characters in a courtyard and there's like a few people watching them and there's this one one character who the back of her hair looks exactly like a dick. <laughs> like mm. it is not it's like it seems like it had to be on purpose like it probably wasn't but it seems like it had to be um just a disgruntled hairdresser slipping that in <laughs> like I don't know how else you look at that and think anything else and there's 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 one idea in it that kind of works um, where it's like firebenders have to have fire to firebend. Like, they, they can't just create fire out of nothing. Mm. And the whole thing with the, the comet in the... Uh, so in the original show, like, certain... certain uh, benders um, get power from, like, certain natural... Uh, phenomenon like during a full moon water benders get more powerful mm. um, and there's a comet that comes by like every 100 years where uh, fire benders get super powerful uh, while the comet is in view um, and in the in the original show fire benders can just produce produce fire uh, you know like from their hands or feet or sometimes mouths. Mm. Um, and in the movie, they take that away. It's like they need a source of fire to fire in. Um, but the, they say that the, the comet um, lets them produce fire themselves, which is an interesting idea. But, of course, they, they never got to make a sequel mm. um, to actually see the comet because the movie is terrible. And I hope it lost all the money. Mm. I don't re remember like the box office impact. Uh, um, yeah, I guess we're gonna find out. Yep, you can find out. I'm too lazy. Okay, I'm already on Wikipedia anyway. So let's scroll yep. down to let's see receptions, critical response. Um. Oh. This is Avatar. I, no, I said last Airbender, and I meant the other one. Damn it, I didn't mean the good one. Show me the bad one. Because I just typed last Airbender. I didn't type Avatar, and it brought me to the Avatar page. Yeah, it's 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 weird, especially after Korra, because it's like, you know, when people say like the the last Airbender, they either mean the movie, or they mean the the show with Aang. Um, and specifically not the one with Korra. 
Okay, here we go. The Last Airbender 2010 film. Scrolling down. It's got to have a Rotten Tomatoes score of like three. I can't okay. imagine anybody liking it. The last okay on Rotten Tomatoes, The Last Airbender holds an approval rating of five percent based on 192 reviews, with an average rating of three out of ten. It is the lowest rated movie produced by Nickelodeon and Shyamalan's worst reviewed. Um, the movie how, grossed how 131 million in the U.S. and 187 million in other countries, making a total of 319 million worldwide. Um, Which is decent for the time. Yeah, I mean that's you know a third of a billion. Um, what was the budget on it? It probably had a pretty high budget though. Yeah. Okay, the budget was 150 million. The box office was 319 million. So it probably so it, it broke probably even. Probably about broke even. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, factoring in all the stuff, yeah, it just barely broke even, and that's probably just because people like the franchise so much that they went and saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like the, the the show is so fucking like it's one of the best animated shows ever made, uh, and the the movie is just one of the worst, like big budget Hollywood produced movies I've ever seen. It's mm-hmm. amazing. It's, it's like so- there's. There's a couple good parts. Um, like there, there's a fight scene at the end where um, the the firebenders are attacking uh, the northern water tribe, and Aang is just like going through freezing a bunch of uh, fire soldiers. And it's actually a pretty cool fight scene, um, but like everything else is just awful. Mm. Uh, there's a whole there's like, section on crew responses, which is uh, defense or lack thereof from the people who worked on it. I'm interested. If you want to hear Shyamalan's defense. Okay. So, uh, Shyamalan argued that his style and art form of storytelling resulted in the negative reviews of the film and compared it to asking a painter to change to a different style. Quote, I bring as much integrity to the table as humanly possible. It must be a language thing in terms of a particular accent, a storytelling accent. I can only see it in, uh, I can only see it this certain way, and I don't know how to think in another language. I think these are exactly the visions that are in my head, so I don't know how to adjust it without being me. End quote. Um, okay, this, if this is him saying, like, he shouldn't be producing big budget Hollywood action movies, I completely mm. agree. If this is him, like, saying the movie is actually good and nobody understands it, he could go fuck himself. Hmm. Um, let's see. Shyamalan also addressed criticisms about the barely 90-minute runtime of the film, which was considered bizarre given it had to condense a 20-episode TV season into one film and is a far shorter runtime than is typical for summer blockbusters. Shyamalan's response... Shyamalan's response was that all of his previous films were 90 minutes because they were small-scale supernatural thrillers, and as a result, his instinct for the pacing of the film was to edit it down to 90 minutes. Okay, never mind. The short runtime indirectly led to several other problems which multiple critics objected to, 
Characters frequently re resort to giving long speeches of exposition to summarize entire scenes that are cut for time, and a running voiceover commentary by Katara was added in which she summarizes entire subplots, e.g. Sokka's relationship with Yue, that barely appear on screen. When Shyamalan gave the Ashok C. Sani Distinguished Scholar in Residence Lecture at NYU's blah 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 blah, he revealed that he regretted accepting the directing position on the film, stating, quote, uh, There has always been this inexorable pull to join the group, a constant seduction in the form of whatever you want to tally, in the form of money or safety, ease, not getting criticized. I did these movies, and I rightfully got crushed, because they rightfully said, you don't believe in yourself, and you don't believe in your own voice, and you don't believe in your values. End quote. Shyamalan would go on to begin financing his own projects as a result. Yeah. I'm... And then the last paragraph is about like, what the actors thought about working on it. Yeah. Like, I, I just wanted to say about Shyamalan, like, yeah, he tried a big budget Hollywood action movie. It fucking sucked, and he never made one again. And I, mm. like, I don't think it's right to hate him. Like, the, the same way I don't think it's right to hate, like, Zack Snyder or anybody else. Um, yeah, I mean, like, Shyamalan, it does seem like he has enough self-awareness that he's gone back to doing, like, short, weird things. Right. That, right. you know, for the most part of work, just, like, it, it's a beach and it makes you old. And uh, and people are like yeah sure show me a movie about a beach that makes you old I right. guess we'll see what this is about. <laughs> Shyamalan could definitely make Deathbed the bed that eats. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and like Zack Snyder, I think he knows what his voice is. It just it requires a bigger budget because he's gonna do just some big bombastic dumb pretentious shit. Yeah. And he has, he's cultivated a fan base that likes it, so... Yeah. Well, I supposedly. I don't know. Rebel Moon seems to be tanking pretty hard, yeah. so... Yeah, don't get me wrong. I hate his fan base. I just don't hate him. Yeah. Yeah, no, he just... He wants to make his big, dumb movies, yeah. and there's a lot of people who, you know, think they're good and think everyone else is dumb for not agreeing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, let's see what the the rest of the crew had to say. Okay. Uh, Dev Patel expressed regret and dislike for his role and experience with the film at a 2016 Actors Roundtable with The Hollywood Reporter while promoting this film Lion, Oscar contender. Patel said, quote, I don't know what I would like to play, but I know what I'm afraid of playing those big studio movies. After Slumdog, I did a film that was not received at all. The budget of Slumdog was the budget of the craft services of this movie. He added, I completely felt overwhelmed by the experience. I felt like I wasn't being heard. That was really scary for me, and that's really when I learned the power of no, the idea of saying no. Listen to that instinct you get when you read those words for the first time. He described his performance as Prince Zuko as uh, being as though he saw a stranger on the screen that I couldn't relate to. In a question and answer on Reddit with Dante Bosco, the original voice of Prince Zuko, when he asked, was asked what he thought of the last Airbender film, he responded by saying that the show's creators uh, told him not to see it. <laughs> so. I, I didn't see it until very recently. Oh, and fuck okay, you, Jake. I didn't know you hadn't seen it before. 
Yeah, I just, you, you you said you'd watched Avatar and you didn't want to go right to Korra, and you're like, what do I watch next? And I decided to be a shit and say, I, go watch the Shyamalan movie. Okay, here's, here's, the, here's the thing, though. Like, I think watching the movie in between them, like, gave me a more fair assessment of Korra, because mm. it's like, like, Korra's obviously It could be so much down. worse. But yeah, yeah, like, it's not, it's not a complete train wreck, right? Like, it, it's, it's competent most of the time. Yeah, I mean, like, Korra, part of the problem was that they never knew how much time they had to work with. Like, they made the first season to be, like, this is the only follow-up we're gonna get. Yeah. And then they got approved for more, and so they did another season, and then they got approved for more, and they did two more. But then they, you know, they never really plotted a multi-season arc, and, like, the in some ways they, they were trying to do, like, the opposite of... Aang's arc, just you know, for creativity, like where Aang started off, he's only got the one power, and he's got to learn all these other powers and you know, master all of them. Yeah. Um, Korra starts off; she's got all the power except for you know the the air bending thing, and she has to figure that one out. But she starts in more headstrong and has to learn humility, where you know Aang is like starts off humble and has to build some confidence. Right. Yeah, and then they, they just throw they throw him in a love triangle that never fucking ends. Yeah, well yeah, and that's you know, because they didn't really plan how it was going to end, <laughs> so like well, okay, so she she's gonna settle on this guy. Oh, we're we're going for another season. Okay, they break up. <laughs> um and then she's gonna get with someone else. Okay. And then eventually wait, wait. it's like, okay, I'm just gonna wait, settle let, on a third me... one. <laughs> Let, let me tell you the direction this goes, uh, because I, I watched the first two seasons. Yeah, it, it's been like ten years since I watched it, so I, I remember it ends teasing, like, oh, we're going to have a lesbian relationship, but it's a cartoon, and we can't do that on screen. Yeah. We'll save that for the comic books. But And, like, weirdly enough, I think that, like, in popular opinion, that actually kind of saved it, uh, mm. <laughs> because, like, if... If it didn't go in that direction, it would just be like the most egregious love triangle I've ever seen. Because um, mm. like the the way it starts, like yeah, she she gets to the new city, she meets this uh, these two brothers, um, and uh, one of them is dating uh, the 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 two brothers Mako and Bolin, and uh, Mako is dating this rich girl Asami. So this is, this is our four like main, uh, you know, teenage protagonists: um, Korra, Mako, Bolin, and Asami. And uh, so Mako and Asami are dating, but it's pretty pretty obvious that Korra's into into Mako. Um, so she tells him, and he's like, "Nah, I'm taken." And then Belen shoots his shot, and she's like, "Yeah, you know what? Let's go out. Let's just have some fun." Uh, so they they go on one date, and then they're like, "Yeah, this was fun," um, but Cora's like, "I'm not into you." So so Belen's feelings are hurt, um, and then she kisses Mako. So so hmm. that hurts Belen's feelings, and it hurts Asabi's feelings. Uh, well, actually, I don't think she knows yet, but, um, and it makes things very awkward for all of them. 
Um, but eventually, at the end of the season, Mako's like, nah, fuck Asami, I'm with Korra now. Mm. Um, but then in, in the, season two. Yeah, in the, in the second season. Season um, two, the oh no, we have to continue this somehow. Right. Um, so, Mako and Korra have a fight. Mako gets back together with Asami. Um, um, and then at some point, Korra has fucking amnesia. It's like, oh, I didn't even remember we fought. So she thinks she's still together <laughs> with Mako. Mm. <laughs> um, and so they they break up twice in the same season. Um, so at the end of season two, he's still together with Asami. So they're back to square one. Um, and then, yeah, I know at, at some point, uh, Korra has a, you know, quote unquote relationship with Asami near the end. Um, and I'm excited to see how we get there (laughs) Mm. because this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen as, as a romantic subplot. Yeah. Like I remember like season two, I think like the first half of it just felt fine and like once they do like the like origin of the avatar like the the first avatar episode like then it kind of starts working for season two because like each season really has to be taken on its own because they were written like one at a time it's it's kind of weird to me how the first two seasons like the main villains are waterbenders like Mm. I i don't know if that was a purposeful thing that they did yeah, I mean, because, like, the first one, the, it was more, like, about the non-benders revolting against the, like, you know, the benders having, like, too much political power. And then the twist was like, oh, actually, your mastermind leader is, was a waterbender all along. He was yeah. just bloodbending people. Yeah, exactly. And then, and yeah, then I guess the second season, they wanted to do, like, a North versus South Civil War thing, and... Well, you've got a North Pole and a South Pole water tribe, so. You know, like, they did that for, like, half a season, and then you got, like, the the first Avatar, and now this, like, the spirit realm, and this evil spirit kite that wants to do evil stuff or something. Yeah. Yeah, I I think the whole backstory is, uh, kind of overdone. (laughs) To be mm. honest, like it, it's, like, I don't hate it, but um, yeah, not, I, don't, I, think, I didn't really click with the spirit realm thing because they yeah. introduced that in season two, and then it that becomes like season three, season four, saying like, how do we deal with all of these weird spirit creatures that are popping up everywhere now? Yeah, I mean, like I just I kind of think just having a having a, a kaiju battle. Yeah, you know, in the in the bay right next to the city is kind of weird. Mm. So it's like, like okay, there's always been like mystical shit in Avatar, but like <laughs> this is kind of overdoing it. Huh? Um, I I don't know. That might just be me. Mm. It's like how the hell <laughs> they got to top that? Um, because mm. I I mean. I mean, like, I I get that, like the the stakes coming coming from the the first Avatar story being like an actual world war, 
the the stakes are immediately going to be a little lower coming into Korra, right? Um, yeah. Well, so, yeah, and and because of the long term planning thing, they did like a whole Star Wars esque. Um, you know, you you got your intro. You've got like the second chapter that ends on like a dark turn, and then the the third chapter where the stakes are the highest they've ever been. Right. And then, like, first then, season of Korra was basically an epilogue to what happened in Last Airbender, and then yeah. they're like, oh, we got to continue. Well, let's just kind of explore some parts of the world we've never seen before. Right. It's like, how does the northern and water and southern water tribes uh, get back together? And it's like, oh, by force. Mm. It's like, oh, it, we're not actually interested in the war. Uh we're interested in uh, the spirit world apocalypse. Um, mm. So it's like, we, yeah, I'm like okay, <laughs> sure, mm. sure we are. Like we're we're interested in in Tenzin and uh, him not getting along with his, uh, you know, the other kids of Aang. Um, because he's the only airbender, and that's a point of conflict for everybody. But it's it's just weird. Everything's a yeah. little weird. It's like I don't like it, it's it's still a good show. It's it's just not one of the best <laughs> animated shows you'll ever see, mm. uh, and I that that hurts it, but. Also, I, I'm I'm trying to be fair. Um, like th there's nothing that's really like wowed me about the first two seasons. Mm. Like, I I think it might just be that, like like he said, like Avatar, the Last Airbender, they had like sixty. 60, 62 episodes to, to tell a full story. And in Korra, they have like 12, 14 at a time. Yeah. And that that really hurts it. Um, especially as a follow-up. You know, like you, you're not going to get the super deep you know, character arcs or motivations that you got in The Last Airbender. And that's a shame. Yeah. Um, but there's a Netflix show coming out, a live-action one, for The Last Airbender, so, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. It's, I, I don't know, it seems like Netflix live-action... I, I, I mean, I don't have Netflix, I've never seen any of them, but based on what I've heard, like, some of them people really love and some of them people hate. Apparently the One Piece show did pretty well, and I, I think... Yeah. Avatar is the same production team. I could be wrong about that. Okay. So, like, people are optimistic. Mm. Um, yeah, it's one of those yeah. things that it really doesn't need to be live action. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just it's got name value and they're going to keep doing it. Yeah. But it's also not like Disney live action where it's like, okay, you made an animated movie 30 years ago, and now you're making just a worse version of that movie. Mm. Like, 
I, I think there might be something to be gained from doing a live action version of Last Airbender. Hmm. But uh, we'll see. But also, I mean, you know, I, I get, I don't know. It's like, you know, doing doing something fantastical, like you know, the the kind of stuff they do in Last Airbender world. Um, it's just it's it easier to like you can do more stuff with animation yeah and when like when you're constrained by live action and like you know you have to do whatever kind of wire work to make it look like the actors are in a place and then do all the animation on top of that to show you know fireballs and stuff um it, it's just you're, you are a lot more limited in a live action production on what um you can do for fantasy stuff where in animation you 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 just it costs the same either way to you know do of each frame of a of an animated thing yeah i mean it's it's not going to be as good um i think that's 100% true but for me like i think it could be good in a different enough way to where it it can justify itself (laughs) which you know like i because like a a lot of like avatars based on like you know old martial arts movies um and and like actual martial martial arts too but you know like the you know jumping 20 feet in the air and doing some kind of weird move like even even for people with no you know magic powers uh like that's all old martial arts movies and things like that. Like mm. I, th- I think they could do something cool, um, even if it's not as good. I put it that way. Mm. Whereas I don't think Disney was ever going to do anything like that with, uh, you know, the fucking Little Mermaid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I, I realize that we didn't actually talk about the the good part of the show. <laughs> um, mm at all but it's like what just go go what like look up on youtube about somebody talking about avatar the last airbender um Hmm. there's there's like six hour long video essays about every single character like i'm not Hmm. i'm not gonna say anything that that is any better than any of of those people i'm just gonna say something a lot dumber and slower so just like go look it up or go watch the show if you have it yeah um but speaking of disney stuff should we talk about uh the last two weeks of disney watch alongs before we do that i want to talk about one more thing um Mm -hmm. have you ever seen bullet train the netflix movie from like last year or the year before nope I've probably heard reviews of it, but I don't remember yeah. what was said. It's uh, it's just like a fun assassin, like uh, you know, action thriller, mm. um, set on a train. It it's like John Wick crossed with um, Knives Out. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah, I mean, it's not as good as either of those things. I'll say that right now, but. The, the the style is fun enough to where I don't mind that. Um, it's like Brad 
Brad Pitt is the main character. His like criminal name is Ladybug. Um, he gets on a train just to like pick up a suitcase and get the fuck out of there. Um, then there's a bunch of turns out there's a bunch of other like uh, like high profile criminals or assassins on the train. Um, there's these two British guys uh, whose uh, code names are Tangerine and Lemon, and uh, they've been tasked with like bringing this like son of a crime boss and the the same the same briefcase full of I mean it's full of like money and gold I'll just say that um, mm. the same briefcase that uh, Ladybug is supposed to get like to a certain stop um, they're, it's they're on a bullet train in Japan by the way mm. um, so they they need to bring the the kid well the kid he's an adult but they need to bring the guy and the briefcase to a certain stop in Japan and so I'm I don't want to spoil it uh, but I mean it, it being a Netflix thing I'll probably never I, I'm still I want to watch RRR but I haven't been able to find I guess I could just buy a bootleg because it doesn't seem like they're gonna put out an official DVD yeah, I mean, it is a Bollywood thing. I guess, like, beyond the rights, like the streaming rights, people are probably not interested. Mm. Um, yeah, like, just... Yeah, find a find a bootleg. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, don't you, don't... you don't need to pay Netflix $16 to, to watch. Yeah, I just... I, it's like, it, it would be easy to just make an account and sign up, but I'm so tired of making accounts for things that I don't bother. Yeah. Or just, like, bum somebody else's Netflix. Mm. Um, I had my sister's, like, ten years ago when she had Netflix, and she doesn't... I think she's got just Hulu now. Yeah. I mean, I've already told you this, but, like, I... Whenever there's something I really want to watch, like Avatar, like, I... I pay for a month, and then I stop paying. Um, yeah. And I yeah, I mean, that, that's... I want to watch. Yeah, that's what I should do, but I don't want to make a new account. That's fair. But, yeah, like, Bullet Train, it, it's... I feel like it's trying to be as smart as, like, Knives Out is, but it can't quite get there. Um... Like it's, it's like quirky and fun, yeah. But it, it's, it's fun and stupid. I'll put it that way. Like it, it's, mm. it's an enjoyable ride. But I'll, like, it's not something that's like, oh, you have to see this. You know, it, it's, it's a, it's a pretty good like seven out of ten. Um, mm. I was trying to think of there's there's one. Ah, oh, god damn it. Yeah, there there was one part I wanted to talk about. I can't remember what it was though. Fuck. Shit. Now I now I feel like an idiot. Uh, anyway, uh, Disney movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I know you said there was like two guys and uh, they're on a bullet train and there's a briefcase full of money or something. Yeah, but and so like the the like. Ladybug gets the briefcase, and then he's attacked by, like, this Mexican cartel boss. 
and they they give the backstory of the cartel boss and like like he he was at his wedding and everybody at the wedding like just like started bleeding from their eyes and started throwing up it's like he w he was there like Brad Pitt's character was there so he thinks Brad Pitt killed like his fiance and everybody at the wedding mm. um so he he attacks him with a knife that like ladybug's whole thing is that he is he is extremely lucky but in, in a way where like everybody around him ends up dead um so it's like the the cartel guy throws a knife at him. Um, he blocks with the the briefcase full of gold. The knife like ricochets back and hits him like right through the chest. Uh, so now he's got to hide this body on the bullet train. Mm. Um, there's also a whole there's a whole plot with um, some other people like there's this like young woman um like her her thing she's trying to look like as cute and innocent as possible like she's wearing this like pink like almost japanese schoolgirl uh, looking um clothes mm. um but she's basically kidnapped this guy who we find out we um she pushed his kid off a rooftop and he it, his kids like paralyzed in the hospital um and she wants she wants this guy whose kid she almost killed to uh, like basically go go along with her plans whatever they are or because if if she doesn't check in with this guy every every 10 minutes um, like one of her people is gonna go in and uh, kill his kid. Um, who's just like, you know, in a coma in the hospital. Um, mm. so there's a whole thing with them. Um, she, like, she gets him to open the case. Um, like I, I forget, like that, you know, it's a it's a weird mystery thing. Like the, you know, the case is floating around, um, constantly changing hands, depending on like whatever weird situations people are getting into. Um, they get the case. Uh, he opens it up. Uh, she booby traps it. So if anyone opens it, uh, it'll explode. And she does the same thing to, uh, the guy's gun. So if anybody fires it, it'll explode and kill whoever was uh, about to fire it. And, you know, like, eventually all these weird people, like, their paths start crossing. Uh, Ladybug has some fun interactions with uh, Lemon and Tangerine. Uh, like, it's, it's genuinely funny, too. Like, it, it's... It's... Like... The, like uh, Lemon is like just really into Thomas the Tank Engine, mm. uh, 
and he's he's going around uh, looking like for who's the diesel, who's the asshole, <laughs> like who's like planning everything going wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, because in you know from their perspective, like you know they they get this guy on the train. They're supposed to like just bring him to a certain stop. Like they leave him for like five seconds. Uh, to go look for the briefcase that somebody stole, um, that Brad Pitt's character stole, and then they come back and he's dead. <laughs> like, like he's just out cold in the seat with uh, blood um, dripping from his eyes. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like they they eventually find Brad Pitt and they think he did it. So like they have the they have this whole conversation. In uh, that they're in the the quiet car of the bullet train, so every time somebody like they're they're basically having a fight, uh, um, they're having a fist fight like in in the seats, and but they can't be too loud or else somebody will notice them. Like it's mm. it's it's really stupid, but it's really funny, um, and it all comes together uh, like the the. The guy who got all these assassins on the train is a guy called the White Death. It's like a a Russian mob boss who like infiltrated the Japanese yakuza and uh, basically became the leader of of the yakuza. And he got all these people on a on the train because uh, they were all somehow complicit in the death of his wife but it turns out that <laughs> like uh, so like all all kinds of crazy shit goes down um, he's got a gun he's about to kill Brad Pitt and basically he says oh, I, for, I forget that it he basically, uh, I forget the name but he basically says you're gonna die. I forget the name. I'm just gonna say Bob. <laughs> like, yeah. And now you're gonna die, Bob. And Ladybug's like, I'm not Bob. I'm filling in for Bob. Bob said he had a stomach ache, <laughs> uh, which is something they established at the beginning of the movie. Like he's not supposed to be here. He's just filling in for somebody. Mm. And then it it flashes back and the, the assassin who ran into, uh, the, the mob boss's, uh, car who, who, uh, yeah, the, there was an assassin who was trying to kill the mob boss, but the only person in his car was his wife. So just his wife died. And then they, they show, the assassin getting up after the crash and he takes his helmet off and it's Ryan Reynolds. He has a three second cameo as the guy who was supposed to be there instead of Brad Pitt. Um, it's pretty, it is pretty funny because it's kind of the same thing as uh, Brad Pitt's cameo in Deadpool two. Mm. <laughs> he shows up just for a split second. Um, yeah, like 
I mean, you know, it's one of those movies. Everything comes together by the end. Um, but like, it's. I don't know if it thinks it's smarter than it actually is, or if it just just knows it's not like super clever. It just goes along hmm. with it anyway. Like, but like, it's it's fun. Like, it's a it's a really fun movie. If anyone has Netflix, Netflix, just watch it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I enjoyed it. I didn't expect to be talking about it for this long. Hmm. Um, but. Yeah. Monsters University. Do you uh, have yeah. any feelings about it? Because I, I really don't. Yeah, not really. Isn't really Because I did see it back when it came out. And my feelings on Rewatch are about the same. Like the second half is stronger than the first. Yeah, definitely. But it's a movie that does feel like, why, why did you make this? Specifically. Like, was it was there this much of a drive to have another movie about Monsters Inc? Did they just they wanted to do a movie about like college and learning about yourself and your strengths and your weaknesses? And then they're like, well, that's not enough to do on its own. Let's get a familiar property in there and staple that on, which right. doesn't was never really the way Pixar worked before. I guess before this, you know, aside from the Toy Story sequels and the Cars sequels, because those were the big profitable ones, you know, but though, like, I don't know, it just, it, like, this is the first of, you know, we haven't gotten to the others yet, but of, like, the weird, unnecessary Pixar follow-up movies. Yeah. Because there's Finding Dory and Incredibles 2, although Incredibles 2 was, like, the first one ended on like a, you know, kind of superhero-y stinger teaser thing, which I remember at the time playing like a video game, Rise of the Underminer, where it's like this is what happens with the Underminer. Um, but you know, it, it didn't need a follow-up, but it makes sense to do a follow-up for Incredibles two. It doesn't necessarily make sense what they did with it, but um, you know, where they just kind of rehashed the the first movie again. But with Monsters University, like it's, it's it isn't a rehash of the first one, but it it's I don't know, I I don't know what the drive to make the movie in the first place was. Yeah, I mean it. I I think it is just like oh you have to make another Monsters Inc movie, <laughs> but mm. it's like well at the end of Monsters Inc like there's a there's the happiest spot ending you could possibly get, <laughs> so. Mm. They didn't want to ruin that, so they just it's like, how about a prequel? Hmm. <laughs> it's like, okay. I th I bet the thought process was similar to this. It's like, okay, how about how did Mike and Sully meet? Um, it's like, and then there there's like a brainstorming session where it's like, oh, I bet they met in college. And then hmm. they're like, oh, okay, let's make that movie. <laughs> um, yeah. We're not going to see what happens when Boo grows up and, you know, knows that closet monsters are real. And, yeah, that's that's not a story they wanted to pursue, I guess. No. Then, it, then it's an adult. Like, you need a kid in the movie. Mm. Except apparently not, because it takes place in college. 
Mm. But yeah, like the the first half is all just like basic college movie tropes from like the eighties. Yeah. Um, the the second half they actually go somewhere. Um. No, the I yeah I really like the scene where they scare the park rangers. That was actually interesting. Yeah, and at least like conceptually, it's interesting to have a movie where yeah, you know, like a lot of these movies where it's like, oh, um, you you want to do a thing, and you're told, no, you're not good enough, no, you'll never be able to do that, and then ultimately the person does the thing, hooray, they defied expectations, and um. And I mean, this it's it's that kind of a story, except like Mike has to accept that he, you know, everyone tells him, oh, you'll never be good enough to be a scarer. And he ends up having to accept that, like, yes, he because of, you know, just physical limitations, he will never be a top tier scarer. But he knows enough that he is still like he discovers his value is, you know, lies better elsewhere i guess you know it, it it's i don't know it's it it's interesting that they would do something like that that you know most movies don't most movies just want you to feel good and um you know follow the protagonist and then they like succeed and win and this is more of like a finding yourself story is that like you're not going to brute force you know the self you want to be you kind of have to figure out what you're actually good at I guess. Yeah. It's it's basically saying if you can't be a professional football player, be a coach. Yeah. <laughs> like and that, that there's no shame in that that it's not like those who can't do teach kind of thing. It's like no that you, you need teachers. Right. Um, like you need knowledgeable teachers and uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. It it also helps that at the end of the original monsters they uh Mike like he got to be the the comedian <laughs> mm. that that does essentially the same thing except with laughs uh or yeah laughs instead of uh scares. Yeah, and it's also nice that like like Mike and Sully break all the rules and do all kinds like dangerous shit, and then they get kicked out of school. And the way they get their jobs is they you know just a montage of like yeah we became jan like we worked in the mailroom and we became janitors. And we worked our way up through the ranks in the company because no, like while these, you know, things that we did in college were formative and important, um, breaking all the rules was not the solution that got us the dream jobs. Right. It's it's a weirdly uh, um, realistic uh, consequences in the movie. I mean, yeah, they they didn't go to jail, which they, they probably should have. Um, but you know, yeah, like like just just considering that um, in the original Monsters Inc., it's like any any contact with uh, kids' rooms would basically get you um, decontaminated. Mm. <laughs> Whereas in you know, I mean, I guess they they didn't technically bring anything back with them so it's not like they had to be decontaminated but it's like if they went in there illegally you think they would have been mm. uh, it, it's 
that's a nitpick. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. Um, do you want to stick yeah. with Pixar? Yeah, we, uh, I get um, whichever one we watch next or want to talk about next. Inside Out is next for Pixar. Yeah, I'm like I, you know, Inside Out. My thoughts haven't really changed much since I first saw it. I, you know, I get why it's a movie everybody loves. It just the logistics of the world kind of don't work for me. So it the emotion doesn't hit the way it's supposed to because I'm too bu- like too wrapped up in thinking about how. Everyone only has five core emotions, and they're the same five core emotions, and and it's like your brain is like a factory, and it makes islands and stuff. I don't know. It, it's not the way I envision thought working, so it just it just doesn't vibe. Yeah. I mean, I I see it less like um, okay the the girl whose head there inside of Riley. Like, I see it less like, oh, Riley did this thing because Joy, like, her, the personification of her happiness, <laughs> uh, mm. like, ran across this cable and took the brain card, like, to her, her central cortex mm. um, and did all that stuff and more like, okay, Riley, this is what Riley is going through and this is, this is the, just the personification of what's going on in her head. Like it's a representation, not like like the the driving force behind it, right? Yeah. Um, I mean I and, think like Sherazad mentioned that there was like a short someone made just compiling the scenes just like the scenes of Riley's life. And I'd be interested in seeing that version of it because I don't know. It it feels like it would work better. Um, without yeah. any of the emotion stuff. Yeah, that would that would just be like a, a really sad short film. Yeah, yeah, just like oh, you moved away from the town you lived in, and you're sad, and you miss your friends, you miss the, you know, like the whole climate's different. Like they went from somewhere that had snow and ice to uh, San Francisco. Yeah, so I I looked it up. There's two videos that is inside out with like just just riding without emotions uh, so like I don't know if that's the same one uh, they were talking about but um, they it exists so yeah like it, I it, it still got me not as much as when I watched it yeah like the, the movie still hits me like not not as much as the first time but uh, I still liked it. I still felt what it was trying to. It's it's definitely one of the better ones of that era. Okay, it says voice connected now. Okay, that's nice. That was weird. Yeah, that was weird to just happen all of a sudden. Yeah, no, it it's gotta be like a Discord server issue or something, because you know it was just on like connected and then disconnected and it wouldn't even let me send the message saying that it says connecting yeah it's um if if it was a server thing you'd think it would have repaired itself yeah i don't know um anything else to say about inside out uh not really like it's i i still really liked it 
Um, it's probably like one of the best of that era of Pixar. Hmm. Like I, I probably like it better than anything since Toy Story three. Hmm. And then they follow it up with like the Good Dinosaur and Finding Dory and Cars three. So you know. Hmm. Well, I guess of the three, like the Good Dinosaur is a big stinky doo doo. Um, yeah. Finding Dory is more on the level of Monsters University of, like, this probably didn't need to exist, but I guess it's fine otherwise. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah, hate same that for, it exists. I mean, like, Cars 3, I think, also, it, it's okay, from what I remember. I've never seen it. Mm. You will. Yeah, I will. You will. Just like, I will have to watch Turning Red if I keep up with this. <laughs> a movie that I've seen I, I don't remember how many minutes I got into it before I bailed but it's the only Disney Pixar movie in the last like 15 years that I guess now I've seen um, Home on the Range which is like the one that I hadn't seen <laughs> but um, yeah Turning Red is the only recent one that, aside from Wish that I have not watched completely even though I could because it's on Disney Plus, it just felt like it's like I started watching it, and I'm like, yeah, this isn't really about things that I care about. Yeah, I don't need to I... relive tween angst. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm not looking forward to it, but like I haven't seen any of it really, so uh, yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm it sure either. it's fine. It's just not a topic that I have any interest in. In doing anything with yeah um do you want to talk about how much of a shit show the good dinosaur is yep absolutely <laughs> i've been looking forward to this one so what's your favorite sucks what's your favorite part the part where our, the protagonist has no redeeming qualities for three quarters of the movie I mean, my favorite part is the drug trip, because that's the part that I remembered, even though, you know, I'd forgotten everything else about them. I remembered that the dad died in a river, uh, and that was the protagonist's fault, and then I remembered there was a drug trip where him and the kid ate fruit off the ground, and it just gets all trippy. See, I didn't even a like much shorter time than I remembered. I didn't even like the drug trip, because it was, like, just such a basic drug trip that... Hmm. I don't know. It was like, oh, we we just put weird thing, weird things on screen for like thirty seconds, yeah, and then it's over. Yeah, you know, because Good Dinosaur is just like a bad coming of age story. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the 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 meteor didn't hit the earth that extincted the dinosaurs. So now, like, I guess millions of years later. It's just like dinosaur dinosaurs can build human. Yeah, they can build human-style houses because that's how architecture works. Um, you know, you you would of course gravitate toward the type of building a human would build. Um, and they have farms, but they don't have like roads or anything. It's just the, there's a family of brontosauruses and they live on a farm and they have like a house and stuff. And uh, they had three kids. Uh, there, there's the musclehead one, and there's the girl one, and there's the runt, Arlo, our protagonist, who, uh, you know, he, he's stuck with the basic jobs, cause he's the runt, and he's not really good at anything, and he's just kind of whiny, um, 
and then he's tasked with protecting the grain silo from some kind of critter that uh, wants to eat their grain, uh, but he can't bring himself to club it when he finds it. It's it's a feral Baby human. Seal. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and uh, so then the dad's like, "Okay, we're we're gonna go hunt it down." And you come with me, and oh no, it's raining, and uh, I'm going to fall in the river and die. And uh, you're going to come home and have to, um, you know, just kind of keep the farm going without the dad who was doing most of the work. And the family's all exhausted, and Arlo's still useless. And then he sees the critter, and he chases it, and he falls in the river. And him and the critter get washed off somewhere and have to travel across the country uh, on all kinds of misadventures where he maybe kind of barely grows as a person um, <laughs> and then he gets home and his family's like yeah hooray you're home you, you we accept you now and you can put your footprint on the grain silo even though we've right. seen none of your emotional journey as far as we knew you <laughs> killed our dad and ran away but uh, you know yeah, we accept you now. <laughs> yeah, like p- picture this from the family's perspective, like the 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 dad's trying to teach the kid uh, like responsibility or how to do something, and then yeah. the dad dies, and then like a day later, the kid just disappears for like a, a, several weeks. Yeah. Um, then he comes back and he's like, "Hey, I've accomplished something." It's like, "Oh, fuck you." <laughs> Yeah, he accomplished something. It wasn't helping the farm. He, it could even have been just, I don't know. He discovers something along the way that will make farming much easier for them. Right. And he brings that home, and then he's contributed something to the farm that they have as a family. Like what? What? What should have happened is like the 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 T Rex herders. Um, it's like they bring the 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 herd to the. Uh, the homestead is like, oh look, we won't die this winter <laughs> mm. because we have. I mean, I yeah, guess we, they wouldn't eat meat, but you know, like they, they, they yeah. have stuff to trade for food. You know, like yeah, something. I, yeah, like some of the friends he met along the way, he brings with them, and those friends contribute stuff that helps to fi- even. You know, like he brings the T Rex homesters there, and they help fix up the farm and you know, get it all up and running again. Yeah. Like, like even if he is useless on his own, like, at least, you know, he, he can make connections with other people who he right. you know, can leverage to assist. Or shit, just have, like, the human family help in some way, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, because the whole point of, like, he didn't kill the thing he was told to kill, and it was a, a human child who he discovers has parents. That yeah, yeah that that all that probably would work even better emotionally to yeah give value to his choice not to kill right because because like don't don't get it twisted in in the like when he decides not to kill the human child at the beginning of the movie, which mm-hmm. is the the de- the decision that eventually kills his dad yeah um he didn't do it out of any like moral obligation he did it because he was scared. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He saw this giant cockroach and got spooked and couldn't hit it with the club. Yeah. So he let it go so he wouldn't have to uh, face his fears. Like, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't 
really do much uh, anything good until uh, he meets the T-Rex herders. Um, and he, like, helps fight off their cattle rustlers. Hmm. Yeah. So somehow those raptors took down the T-Rexes, like, very easily. <laughs> they they needed this, like, little runt's help. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, but Good Dinosaur sucks. Like, it's one of the worst movies that I've seen this past year. Hmm. It's either that or Home on the Range. Like, I don't know which one's worse. Mm. I don't know. I guess Home on the Range, they had that one song that I liked. Mm. So I think it might be Good Dinosaur. Yeah. It, no, it's it, it's bad. Yeah. It's Weirdly enough, it's kind of like the other dinosaur movie where it's just like a, a pretty bad coming-of-age tale. Yeah. It's like Disney just can't make animated dinosaur movies work for whatever reason I mean Don Bluth could barely do it mm. he maybe did it one time and then they tried it like what 15 more times <laughs> yeah well I mean somebody else tried it 15 more times yeah um, but yeah you you have any more shit to throw at this movie no I think we covered it Okay. So, what are your thoughts on Big Hero 6? Because I don't uh, really care for it. It was a fine, uh, like, less good Teen Titans movie. It's, I mean, that that was know, my sure. revelation this time watching it, was how much all of, like, the side characters are basically the Teen Titans from the 2003 cartoon. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's like, like the, playing in the same trope space, but they don't go quite as hard on it, especially because, like, for half the movie, they're just the other tech nerds who uh, eventually decide to do this superhero thing. Yeah, they don't really do anything, like, until the last ten minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, I guess they're there for emotional support after he yeah. his brother dies, but I guess I think that's about it. Yeah, they're his brother's friends who, yeah, they were just being supportive on them. And then Hero's like, hey, let's all be superheroes. And then, the, you know, the, the one stoner guy turns out is actually super rich and can fund this whole thing. Yep, he can be their Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Their stupid Bruce Wayne. Their stupid yep. fucking TJ Miller Bruce Wayne. Yep. He has a butler. His dad is Stanley. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that that was the the Marvel mid credits stinger was, uh, or I guess end credits, whatever. Yeah, the, his his dad is Stanley. I I kind of hated that to be honest. Like yeah. no Stan. <laughs> yeah, stick, I mean, Big Hero Six is technically a Marvel property that they did not adapt aside from like the character names. Yeah, there's there's like three characters that they actually adapted, and the rest is just made up Disney bullshit. Yeah, let's see. What's my favorite part of this movie? I guess Baymax is kind of funny. Mm. Some of the animation is pretty good. Um, 
It has a Fallout Boy song that's kind of neat. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they could be Immortals. Immortals. <laughs> but not for um, Go Go got a booty, so that's, you know, that's nice. Mm. Um, that's about it. <laughs> like, yeah. everything else is just kind of, like, basic, like, very basic hero tropes. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of a shitty, boring villain. You know, like, it, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I wouldn't be mad if, if somebody liked this, but... I I just don't. I guess it is the kind of thing that, like, if I had been the right age when I saw it, it might have stuck more. Um, cause you know, in the way that like some like when Disney does like a non-musical action thing, it usually does like it, it doesn't feel like you know what you expect from a Disney animated movie. Um. Which, for, like, Atlantis and Treasure Planet, I was the right age when I saw those, so they stuck. Um, where for a lot of people they didn't, probably because they weren't the right age. So, I think, yeah, maybe there's a world where if I was, like, 13 when Big Hero 6 came out, then maybe I'd watch and think it's the coolest thing ever and remember it fondly. Um, but I wasn't, I was 24, and I'm like, eh, whatever. It it just it, it's just kind of a nothing movie. Yeah, I mean that that's fair. Like, I I mean, like I said, like I I wouldn't be surprised or upset if anybody liked it. Hmm. Like I've just I've seen so much superhero shit over the past twenty years that this is just kind of a an okay one of those. Yeah, and it, but it also has like a a funny talking robot. So yeah, that's. That makes it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baymax is, you know, it's a cute design. And, you know, definitely like a contrast to like all the superhero tropey stuff. And then you have emotional support robot. Right. Like his, <laughs> he, it, it's, I, I think what really gets me is that like, it's so obvious where it's going from like the first, the first minute Baymax is on screen. Mm. Or like, you know, there's a, there's a, like, oh, here, there's a memory card with uh, all of, like, everything that makes Baymax uh, who he is. Mm. Um, and the card has uh, Hero's brother's name on it. So it's like, oh, I know exactly where this is going now. Like, mm. the this, this setup is so fucking obvious. Yeah. Like, the brother's going to die. Um, Hero's going to try to avenge him. Um, he's gonna try to turn Baymax into a weapon. He's gonna have to take like his brother's card out of, out of Baymax to make it happen, and mm. eventually he'll realize that it's not worth it, and he'll try to beat the villain some other way. Yeah, like it's it's obvious from like those those two things, and you know, like to your point, maybe if you're a kid and you haven't seen a million stories, um, you won't. Like that won't take you out of it for, but for me it was just like it was very obvious and tropey, and yeah, that there wasn't there wasn't much in between everything to make up for it, mm. including the the stupid dumb villain. <laughs> yeah, just... yeah. I mean, yeah, because the villain is it's 
I don't know. It just it feels like they didn't really um, set it up that well. Yeah, I think it just it, like it's it's a twist and it's supposed to be unexpected, but it just kind of feels like oh, there was information we didn't have for why this guy is the bad guy, and then when you reveal it, it's like oh, okay, that's why he's the bad guy. Yeah. Um, but it's like what. What what makes it worse too is that this is the era of Disney twist villains, mm. and every every new time I see it, it just gets more annoying. Mm. Uh, you know, yeah, because like it, I I think it starts with Frozen, or it might start before that. But yeah, no, I think yeah, Hans in Frozen was like the probably the one that they thought, oh, it worked here. Let's keep doing it. It actually starts with Wreck-It Ralph. Um, okay, I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess King Candy is like a twist. Like King yeah. Candy being Turbo it's... is more of a twist than him being a villain. Because yeah, it's like the person in power is actually a villain. Oh, oh, wow. Um, but yeah, per- right. person in power turns out not only is he a villain, he is an escaped maniac who destroyed his own game. Right. Re- Wreck-It Ralph has a decent enough. Uh, Surprise villain. Frozen is, you know, it's okay. Big Hero yeah. 6 is where I'm, like, I'm tired of it. Um, mm. Zootopia, I'm like, you know what, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> um, Moana is the, the villain is actually the goddess from the start, which is, you know, not bad. Mm. Like that, that's, that's not, I don't have a problem with that. Um, and after that, I haven't seen any of those movies. <laughs> So, uh, so, yeah, we'll see. I don't remember finding Dory even had a villain. Although, I guess that's Pixar. Uh, well, yeah. Well, what's the next Disney? I guess we, we still have to cover a couple other Disney. It's, it's Frost Breaks the Internet and then Frozen oh. 2. Okay, yeah, no, I think Ralph Breaks the Internet, it, it doesn't have a twist villain. I think Ralph Breaks the Internet might be the... Hey, it would be funny if Ralph is the one that's starting all these trends. They're like, Ralph started the trend of twist villains, and then Ralph breaks the internet and starts the trend of... There isn't no actually a villain, it's uh, your like internal emotional problems that are like, the real <laughs> thing that need to be dealt with. Like You'll see when we get to it. it it's, uh... Yeah. In a way, Ralph is the villain, but it's like his own emotional insecurity that's the villain. Yeah. Which again is not a bad idea for a story in a vacuum, hmm. but like when when you do the same thing five times in a row, uh, you know it, it gets old. Yeah, unless you yeah, unless I mean, you I guess like, well, yeah, Ralph, it's him dealing with his own problems where it ends up in the the Disney movies. After that, it becomes more like family like expectations and. Dynamics yeah. and stuff, or the you know, like, like Encanto, where it's like, well, the grandmother is an antagonist, but it, it's coming from her own life experiences, and so yeah. she's not actually evil. Yeah, yeah, like I don't. Uh, there's nothing wrong with like introspection uh, as a as a point of conflict. Hmm. It, it's it's just don't be fucking smug about it. Hmm. You, you know, yeah. can't wait for you to see Strange Planet oh, World. God, Strange I'm, World. 
I keep getting it mixed because there there is a comic strip called Strange Planet that's a you know these blue alien guys and they're just doing regular Earth stuff but they're talking about it like it's the weirdest shit. It's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And then the Strange World is the Disney movie and it like the the two titles are synonymous but they're completely different things. Right. Um. Anyway, that's enough. Big Hero Six. Uh, Zootopia. Yeah. Did it make you a furry yet? There was there was nothing like there was nothing sexy in it except maybe Shakira Deer, which mm. you know is not not even the nude scene. <laughs> the the nude scene with no visible genitals, like oh yeah, like <laughs> that really got me going. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean i I thought that scene was very funny. Mm. <laughs> um, it it's it's funny. Because it's a kid's movie, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I did, you know, after you said, like, oh, there, there must be so much porn of the scene, I browsed pages upon pages of Zootopia porn. And there is some relating to that scene, but most of it is just people are really horny for Judy. Which is what well, I say. I say it's weird, but, like, she's she's a rabbit. Like, it's a, she has yeah, a it's, a, it's a cute female animated character. Like... It's a short stack animated cute character. Yeah. It's like her her hips are like twice the size of uh the rest of her body. It's like yeah. so like yeah, I guess I get it even though I don't truly get it. You know, I I understand. I don't get it, I guess. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean the the movie yeah. it's 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 awkward. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a movie, like, at the time, it's, it was like, oh, it's so progressive, and then in retrospect, it's like, it, it, it's trying, but it, there there's just aspects of it that don't really work. You know, they, they work worse the more you think about them. Yeah, like, the, the problem with racism allegories mm. is that, like, you're, you're, you're coming up with scenarios where like people are like completely biologically different and you're like yeah. oh no but we're all the same oh uh, yeah 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 because this it you know th- this set it up as a racism allegory of you know dividing all of the animal species into predators and prey but within the world all of these different species have their own like subcultures and like even you know sections of the city that and like sections of the world that they live in, so it's like they're playing with like the stereo like cultural stereotypes around you know different animals and like the sloths are all slow, um, and yeah the, like the rabbits all live on a carrot farm, um, but at the same time they're like you know saying don't be racist, um, yeah, and and yeah like. Yeah, it just it it doesn't work that well on top of you know the whole like hero cop story. Um, even though like she's like she, she's such a she she's making deals with the mafia, but it's like <laughs> oh, but that's that's fine because she's a good guy. You know, right. Yeah, if she wants to, you know, threaten to kill, like have them threaten to execute uh, a witness to make him talk then uh 
you know, that that's fine. She's the good guy. Right. <laughs> like that, that's, it, it's, it's such a weird, it's such a weird movie to talk about from so many angles. Mm. Um, like that's why we start with the, the, the nudist, uh, scene <laughs> because like, that's, that's just purely funny. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause it, the furry stuff might be the longest lasting impact this movie has. Like, I think, yeah. that, you know, like Robin Hood and you know, some of the other like major furry Disney movies that it will, it has a lasting impact on that subculture. Whereas the stuff it had to say about racism and culture and stuff maybe that, made an impact at the very... time, but it is not really yeah. remembered anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, I guarantee you, in 2024, um, people will be more mad about the fact that the main characters are cops than the fact mm. that they they bring up racism. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, uh, which, yeah, I've, I've, it's, yeah, I'm not even gonna. <laughs> um, mm. Um, let's see. That was is Moana the only other one that we've seen? Yeah, Moana's the last one, which I really liked. Yeah, it, it's it's Renaissance light again, kind of like Frozen. Yeah, and and Tangled. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it does do. You know what? Like one of the cool things about the Renaissance movies was the way they bounced around different like mythologies and cultures and stuff yeah. and this one is doing polynesian mythology right um, i i didn't i wasn't really into it uh during the first half um but maybe that's just because i've seen this all <laughs> so many times in the past few uh, months yeah um, yeah it's another princess movie but like oh but i want to explore the world but i can't because my overprotective parents won't let me right but then the the troubles come to home and now i must set out on my own to go find the solution right um but yeah like once once she actually leaves the island um and finds maui it gets a lot not even even after that though honestly like i wasn't like maui is fun mm. but he doesn't really make the movie i don't think it's not really until um they go to the giant crab yeah um and the giant crab sings a song and i really liked it and it it got me into the rest of the movie i, mm. I think yeah um yeah be before then it was just pretty basic like okay she needs to leave um and oh no oh, now she needs to find maui so he can beat up the lava monster and return the heart uh, to the goddess island yeah um so the darkness will go away um and then, then she finds attacked by the heartless oh. <laughs> they are just heartless <laughs> When did Kingdom Hearts 3 come out? 
2019-ish, I think, and Milano was 2016. Yeah, so they, I guess... But the most recent thing they had in Kingdom Hearts 3 was Frozen. Frozen, yeah. I guess Frozen and Toy Story 3 came out about the same year, huh? Yeah, Toy Story 3 was uh, 2010, and Frozen was 2013. So yeah, that was... I mean, it, they didn't really do Toy Story 3 anyway, they did... Yeah, they just did like, a Toy Story thing where they eight. go to a big toy store. Yeah. Or the mall or something. I, I and Woody gives a lot story. of speeches about... Uh, I don't <laughs> remember. Like, Woody, Woody gives a lot of like, just like really like moralizing speeches in Toy Story yeah. 3. Yeah, it, it's... I don't like Kingdom Hearts 3. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been over this. I do like Moana. Mm. Uh, oh yeah. So yeah, she finds Maui. That Maui's like, I need to get my magic fish hook back. So they go to to like basically the underworld, yeah. um, and they try to fight the giant crab who has his fish hook, so he can you know regain the powers of his godhood or demi godhood. Yeah. Um, and then the the crab sings a, a fun song about how shiny he is, like while while he's beating the shit out of Maui and Moana, uh, and it's 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 just really fun and delightful. Hmm. Um, and it's the guy from Flight of the Concords, whose name I will never commit to memory. Apparently, um, and yeah. I mean, after that, there's, like, actual emotional movements. Um, but, like, fuck it, there's a giant crab, right? Yeah. And the the grandma who dies and gets turned into a stingray comes back, and she helps Moana, um, like, learn self-affirmation. <laughs> and then, then they... They get past the lava monster, and Moana's like, "Oh, the heart is the, the goddess, and the goddess is the lava monster. So I have to return the heart to the lava monster." Um, and then it turns back into the goddess, um, and Maui learns humility, and Moana learns that she can do things and not just be safe at home all the time. That's nice. Mm. Yeah. I realize I'm I'm, I'm reducing everything. <laughs> like the bare essentials but um, yeah we've been recording for almost two and a half hours and i'm very tired yeah we were tired to begin with and it's we're still recording yeah so yeah moana good it's mm. probably my favorite of this um well let's see i really like record ralph hmm yeah, I mean, because rewatching these has made me realize how much, uh, you know, that there there was, like, another peak and then another ebb that we're, we're going to be getting into. Although I think it's not quite as sharp as, like, like the drop-off in the mid-2000s. Um, I oh, think, no. you know, the, the 20, like, the late 2010s is 
like most aside from good dinosaur most of the other like pretty much all the other movies are like that was at least fine um but there are you know less i don't know like the, a lot of the ones we've seen recently you know like from like tangled up through moana this is like yeah there's been some duds but you know the, there's been like some really standout ones right and then i think the next like at least five years worth of movies actually probably more uh worth of movies coming up um there it'll, it'll be more of the like well that was okay kind of movies yeah and not a lot of reels like i know people really like coco and we'll see how i feel about it when i watch it this time but i'm otherwise, interested in coco there's, there's not a lot of like real standout ones in the next like eight years worth of movies that they've put out yeah i guess encanto yeah, also has a lot of fans and that's mostly because the music's really good i think right yeah i mean the, the music got more buzz than the actual movie did yeah yeah like looking through the the disney list like encanto is the only one that I've really heard any like a lot of good things about. Yeah, what what do we have coming up? Because we are getting uh, near, finally near the present day. Ralph to Frozen to Raya, Encanto, Strange World, Wish, and after oh. that, it we're done because that's the end of twenty twenty three. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, that makes sense. I I didn't really yeah, because those yeah, Ralph two, Frozen two came out like right before the pandemic started, and then uh, yeah, I guess yeah, it wasn't till Raya that they had another one. Because uh, I know that there's, I think that it the, there's, it seems like I don't know how they set up like when they're gonna do Pixar versus when they're gonna do Disney animation because it's not like one than the other. Um, I think yeah. there there was like multiple Pixar ones released through the pandemic where Raya, there was like Raya, they they kind of they delayed it and then had to do it. Yeah, and then Encanto yeah. snuck in when it's like, well, maybe people will come back to theaters. Oh no, they won't. I guess this is going streaming. We we've got twice as many Pixar movies left as mm. Disney movies. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. But with the Pixar yeah. ones, aside from Coco, I don't remember a lot of them really standing out. Like, yeah. I guess I do have... I, I like Onward. I mean, Onward, I think, maybe would have done better if it hadn't come out, like, right when the pandemic hit. But, right. you know, yeah, I think Onward works. Um, like, Pixar, there's uh, Dory, Cars 3, Coco, Incredibles 2, Toy Story 4, Onward, Soul, Luca, Turning Red. Lightyear, Elemental. Oh shit! I forgot Lightyear was in there. Oh no! Oh no! We have to watch Lightyear again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I was gonna say earlier. I kind of didn't want to say it because it was really negative. But I was like, the one I'm really dreading is Lightyear. Yeah, it's just so boring. But I guess we can make fun of it. Is that the same team that did Good Dinosaur? Maybe. I don't know. That, that might explain. I don't know, because with Lightyear, it's just the bizarre creative decision to be like, hey, we're going to do a, a Buzz Lightyear movie. Let's make it in the style of 
a 90s sci-fi movie because that's, you know, when Buzz Lightyear the toy first came out. But let's not make it the kind of fun 90s sci-fi movie that a kid would actually want to watch. You know, like a, I don't know, like a Batman Forever kind of 90s sci-fi fantasy movie. Let's make it like the 90s, sci- you know, like Contact. Like uh, a, a 90s sci-fi movie or... You know, I I think like they, I think they said like the Michael Bay kind of like Armageddon was what they were trying to do, but it, it's just it's too serious. Like it's not the kind of '90s sci-fi movie that would sell toys, and it's just it's such but a weird decision. Armageddon is funny because it's serious, but it's also very fucking dumb. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't seen Armageddon, and it's possible that that's a fitting match because it's like. Lightyear is very serious, but also it turns out the villain is Buzz Lightyear from the future and he's got an army of robots. Buzz, Buzz Lightyear is going on his like final climactic su- suicide mission and fucking <laughs> Aerosmith comes on over eyes. the radio. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to close my eyes. Now, if they had that, then the movie might have actually worked better. <laughs> Look, if if Lightyear had that, I would like I would like stand up, clap, give a give a standing ovation. Yeah, like if uh, it could do like the intro to Saints Row Four, and he's just yeah. riding a missile on that's like gonna destroy the base, and he he has to like climb up the, the missile and rip all the components out, while all of his friends at the base saying like thank you we believe in you we're going to miss you when you die in this big explosion i fucking love that intro that i i said it before how i went to a wedding yeah yeah that, that's was... why that song is hilarious too <laughs> the bride walked out to that song and i was almost dying oh oh god oh i'm a bad person Hmm. <laughs> yep, and maybe by the time I finish yeah. editing this episode, we'll be watching the next one because I'll be editing it tomorrow morning, probably. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Well, I mean, I have a few things I need to do, but, but like before the week starts, so I can continue not dying. Hmm. Um, <laughs> that's a, that was the weirdest way I could phrase that, but. Uh, but yeah, like we'll we'll watch a couple. Yeah. Um, we're still recording, so I I really didn't need to say that just then. But you know. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Do we have a wrap up? Um. You know, everyone listening to this right now can go suck a dick. <laughs> if you want to, Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> it's up to you. It's your choice. Yeah, I mean, I said, I said, can, not should, mm. or yeah. has to. Yeah. Uh, okay. Bye. That's the worst way to end a podcast. <laughs>